0: Welcome to the Franchise Success Formulas podcast, the place where you find the tactical and practical business and leadership knowledge you need to help you build a successful and scalable franchise enterprise. I'm Aisha Bascaro, the founder and CEO of the American Purchase Academy, and a 30-year veteran in the franchise industry with experience in Fortune 500 global brands like Domino's Pizza, Popeye's Lucina Kitchen, and Darden Restaurants franchise executive turned teacher and entrepreneur. Let's get started. Every year, the American Franchise Academy and myself participate in the multi-unit franchising conference that usually happens in Las Vegas, Nevada. We had such conference last week and I would say that That particular conference is one of the conferences that we recommend highly for franchisees, but especially for franchisees that are already multi-unit or want to grow their organization, either in more units or maybe even multi-brand. So this year's conference was just as good or maybe better than it has been in the past. They had a record attendance, an amazing amount of suppliers and franchisors they're ready to serve those entrepreneurs that want to grow in the organization. One of the reasons why I really recommend this franchise conference is because I have found that it is one of the few conferences that truly is focused on development and support of multi-unit franchisees. And of course, as such, their content, their agenda, and the things that they cover throughout the days of the conference is specifically for growth and knowledge and best practice sharing among franchisees and experts in the industry. So in this show, I'm going to be sharing with you the content of the sessions that I participated in that I found so valuable for franchisees. So we're not going to share all of the sessions, but the ones that I found that are key for you to be successful. Today, we're going to start with what I thought was one of the best sessions of the conference. And it was a panel of four very experienced, very knowledgeable, multi-unit franchisees, multi-brand leaders. And the topic of this particular session was growth strategies for choosing a new brand. While the topic was mostly focused on assuming that you already have a brand that you have already grown and as to what you should be looking at when growing uh, into a second brand, I think that this is just as valuable for anybody that is an entrepreneur, an aspiring franchisee that is looking for their first brand. Now, there's a lot of information to be covered, so hang in there with me so that I can share all this information and knowledge. Now, in the panel, there were four experienced franchise leaders, like I mentioned. So first it was Gary Robbins, and he is a super cut and ideal image, multi-unit, multi-brand franchisee. The next uh, panelist was Robert Branca, he is the largest Dunkin' Donut franchisees with 200 plus units that he oversees, as well as other uh, private businesses that he owns. The next panelist was Shamsu Sharanya, and he is a Baskin-Robbins, Cherkes, and Raleigh's, Dunkin' and TGI's franchisee in the nation. And of course, uh, last but not least, Aziz Hashim, who is the uh, leader of the Inrd Capital with brands like Altitude Trampoline Parks, Frish Big Boy, Fuzzy's Taco Shop and the Captain's Bowl, among many others, as well as Mr. Aziz also has a lot of investments in technology that supports the franchise industry. So I'm going to go into the different topics that they shared and what are the recommendations as to what to consider when you are looking for a new brand or for some of you, your first brand. So first of all, something that they all agreed upon is that the number one requirement when you're looking for a franchise brand is you need to have healthy, positive unit economics. This is the most important because at the end of the day you are there, you're investing in a franchise to make money. And so when looking at these franchise units, these franchise brands, you need to really understand what is the unit economics of that brand and not just the top 20% of units, because sometimes franchisors may be sharing the average of the top units when it comes to unit economics, which means what is the business model in terms of revenue, costs, and of course, net profit for that business. And so when you're looking at that, you need to make sure that you're looking at the average of the units, not just the top performing units in the brand. Again, because at the end of the day, you're supposed to be there to make money. And one of the things that they actually mentioned, which is so true, is that franchisors focus a lot of the time and effort in having a great brand and growing sales. Because the way that franchisors make their income, their money, is through sales or royalties based on sales, not your profit. And so it's something that you need to be aware of as a franchisee looking for, to make an investment. You need to look at the pers- of the economics, you need the economics of the business from the perspective. Uh, What is the bottom line, average bottom line for these brands? And one of the things that they made out, they pointed out is that sometimes you can make more money out of smaller emerging brands than you actually can out of, you know, mature and legacy brands, you know, because a lot of these mature legacy brands come with a hefty, you know, package of costs that you have to invest in every month. And so it's important that you really consider not just the big boy legacy brands, but literally start looking at the emerging brands that may be able to give you a healthy bottom line profit. So number one is unit economics. Now, there are gonna be a lot of other points I'm gonna cover. They're not in any order of importance other than the the unit economics, but it is just things that they said to consider as you're going through the process of defining what's gonna be your next brand. So again, let's go and talk about emerging brands. So something that uh, several of them actually discussed that because there's a lot of new emerging brands in the franchise industry. As a matter of fact, there is an average about 300 new or brands that start up uh, selling franchises every year. So the amount of franchisors that are out there that are beginning to sell franchises or maybe getting into that emerging level of 50 or 100 units, there is lots to choose from in all kinds of industries and, and business models. So. Really, if these brands have a great product and a great customer experience that you can actually measure through the Google reviews of those brands, you could see that this could be a potential good investment uh, for you. If you think about it, there's lots and lots and lots of small businesses that are successful, that are here, have been here for a long time. And that is because they have a good product and a good service and a good business model. So, don't just discount emerging brands because they're newer, but really look into what is the business model, what is the customer experience, what is the product, and see if this may be a good option for you. The next thing that they were talking about was uh, the market segmentation, how you need to really analyze what is the market segmentation of that particular brand and whether it is a favorable perspective or not. Things, for example, is this a product or service that consumers consume every day? or at least more than one time a week. Because if it's a product that consumers need often, then the likelihood of it being a successful long-term brand is gonna be higher than if it isn't. And if there is less frequency of consumers accessing it, then you need to consider that it needs to be a higher ticket item. One of the examples that they said was, for example, a car service. If you are in a brand that sells tires, obviously a set of tires will cost you four or $500, so much higher ticket. And of course, consumers don't need it every week, but because it's a much higher ticket, then you know obviously it compensates and the model works in that case. So if it's something that consumers use or consume every day, then of course the lower ticket is you know normal and, and practical. But if it's something that is used less often, then it needs to be a product that has a higher ticket so that you can maintain a profitable, uh, successful business long term. You know, obviously you need to look at the competitive environment. How many businesses are there? Chains, brands, franchisors independent businesses even that might compete in that space. And can this brand that you're looking into compete and be above the rest so that you can have a healthy business? So that's one of the things to talk about, you know, market cementation. Something else that they mentioned is the that you need to look at and think through when choosing a brand is the FDD or the franchise disclosure document, as well as a franchise agreement. Usually when you are interested in a brand, you are able to, uh, after application process and a certain amount of time, you will receive the FDD. And through that, you're gonna be able to see, go through a lot of information from that brand. Then of course, after you say that you wanna move forward, eventually you will get a copy of that franchise agreement. Here's where you're gonna be able to really research in great detail what comes and what doesn't come with this particular franchise brand. And one of the big mistakes that franchisees make is that, that you don't really, read everything in these documents. And I know that these documents are enormous, are long, they have language that we don't understand. And this is why engaging a franchise lawyer, somebody's on your side that can look after you by reading this information, help you interpret and understand what it is that you will be agreeing to is gonna be so important for your success in choosing the right brand for you. One of the things that is important that you know is that both the FTD as well as the franchise agreement are designed to protect the brand, not to protect you. And so this is something that is a perspective that you need to keep in mind that as you're going through it, you know, this particular, agreements or these documents, they don't really state very much as to what is the franchisor supposed to deliver to the franchisee. These documents focus more on what is it that the franchisee needs to make sure that they follow when it comes to the franchisor's brand. And so it is very important that you look at that as well as, you know, how is this brand, how are these brands get involved with the franchisees? Because while, while the franchise agreements do not state what the franchisor will or will not do for the franchisee, there are certain brands that do go above and beyond the FTD and the franchise agreement. An example, obviously, what happened through COVID. Through COVID, there were some brands that really stepped up to the plate and went above and beyond what their agreement said that they're supposed to provide to support the franchisees in their endeavors. And so brands that do that are the ones that are going to help improve the franchisee-franchisor relationship, as well as be able to support the franchisees in their success because they truly are committed for it. Some of the things that you need to think about is, what happens if there's a change in the uh, relationship with the franchisee and franchisor? Are there any uh, punitive damages if, for whatever reason, among the units that you have, there's one that is a dud and you wanna close? What are the punitive damages that come with this agreement, with these closed units? You used to be responsible for the entire length of a franchise agreement when you close a unit, and now things have changed a little bit. You know, obviously. COVID changed a lot of things when it came to the relationship with the franchisor and franchisee. And one of the things that changed was that when you close units because of you know something outside of your control, that there is no longer, in many situations, punitive damages because of it. Something else that has changed now that you need to look for in some of these franchise agreements is spousal or personal guarantees in that agreement before COVID, there were a lot of requirements when it came to personal guarantees, uh, spousal guarantees. But now, since COVID, a lot of franchisors have been more flexible in the area. And so when you're looking at the brands that you're interested in, research carefully if that's still there, because if it is, those punitive damages, you could negotiate to take those out and as well as the damages for closing units, something to consider. Something else to consider is the culture of the brand. And, you know, the reality is that in a lot of these, a lot of these brands, the original, excited, passionate founders are no longer in charge of the brand. Passion and commitment that first ignited that brand, grew that brand and made it what it is may be gone a little bit because once they decided to exit by selling to another company or to an uh, equity firm then you know it is possible that that might change and so you really need to be Clear, what is the culture of that brand now? Because that culture, the culture of that brand is going to dictate a lot about what these leaders are going to do based on what is the leadership style, based on what is their preference. When you are dealing with a brand, a brand in which a franchisor is still the original founder, obviously there might be a little bit more flexibility, more relationship based decisions, and not so much about the legal agreements. And so, Something to consider, you know, who are the leaders of the organization? Who owns this brand? And what is the culture that, in which they make decisions along the way? There are many things that can be negotiated now that before COVID, they were simply untouchable. And who the leaders are, as far as uh, their personality and their culture, will dictate how much you're able to negotiate in those agreements. And so one of the things that uh, one of the, uh, the the panelists said, before you enter any agreement, you need to look really closely at three things. The first one I mentioned already, unit economics. Unit economics is the number one thing that you need to look at. And remember, you need to look at it beyond item 19, where the average you know financials they show because, Sometimes those are shown for the top performing units. You really need to go beyond that. For example, talking to franchisees, like literally going and building relationships with with people that are in that brand already to verify what the financials may or may not look like in that brand. So that's number one, unit economics. Go deep, go wide and be and try to be as accurate as possible in what you come up with. Number 2 is have an exit strategy because nobody gets into business to be in business forever. You either get into business so that you can then pass that on to your family members or you get into business to eventually be able to retire, you know, to be able to sell, etc. So you really need to look at what is the exit strategy that you want and does this brand facilitate that exit strategy that you want for your investment? of time and money. And number three, if you are to enter into an agreement uh, of maybe an acquisition, something that you absolutely must look at is what is the remodel or technology investment necessary if and when that transfer happens? Uh, Something is very important because sometimes there's acquisitions and you end up with a surprise a few months in when now you have a huge remodel or technology investment that you did not count on when you made the price offer for this brand. And especially when you're going for a package of a large number of units, that could be a very costly mistake. So, before entering, unit economics, exit strategy, and any initial upcoming investments that will be required by the brand. And, you know, this is part of the issues when transferring a franchise business. And one of the things that you need to really look at if you are selling or you are an acquiring business owner, you need to be concerned with any changes in the agreement that may happen when that transfer happens. Not only if there is any, remodel or technology investments, but also what will change in the agreement? Because sometimes franchisees have favorable elements in the agreements. Maybe they have a reduction in the royalty costs. Maybe they have favorable franchise fees. Maybe they had, you know, different elements that might be different in the new franchise agreement that you now how to sign as an acquiring franchisee. Because just because you're acquiring a franchise, it doesn't mean that you're gonna have the same terms. Terms will change when you acquire, or term, not always, but terms could change when you're acquiring a new brand. So it is very important that you look at that and there might be a lot of other issues that may come with it. There could be tougher agreements with maybe a higher royalty fees. Maybe there are more requirements within these new agreements. So you need to be able to understand that when you're looking at somebody's package, what terms are they operating under and how would it change when you acquire some of the new rules that franchisors are putting down for example no private equity they are now blocking private equity investment in the franchise brands you know again they they are putting a lot of remodel requirements even though that's always been like that every five to seven years there's always some sort of remodel requirements or something to you know to consider something else is that you know, it's very important that you know what the franchise store will allow you to do or not. Some brands are not very friendly for transferring of businesses. Or imagine if you are not able to have a form into a trust so that you can easily inherit that to your family members, to your children. Some franchises allow that and some franchises do not. So one of the requirements or one of the recommendations of this very experienced panel was, you need to have a great accountant and CPA to be able to analyze the numbers and be able to do proper projections for the business, great legal support of people that actually are experienced and knowledgeable in franchising and franchising law so that they can really look for the types of elements that could hurt you. Because again, now, before there were a lot of elements that you were not simply non-negotiable. Nowadays, more things are negotiable, especially depending on what you bring into the table. If you're an experienced business owner, if you are someone that um, understands a business, maybe you already have other franchises, that automatically puts you in a different negotiation level. And therefore, having a good legal representation and support will help you make that and make it the most favorable possible for you. Obviously something else that you need to consider is succession plans and exit plans. Like I mentioned earlier, that's one of the things that you absolutely must consider before you enter into any agreement and really look deep into what is able to be done within the brand that you're looking into, because there might be two brands with the same, you know, with similar uh, models uh, in the same, you know, industry that one might have more favorable franchise terms than the other, something to consider. And of course, the trust and gifting to children so that was in the area of acquisitions now some of the things that they were mentioning is that there are certain things that have changed you know a lot of things have changed because of covid how you can negotiate agreements etc but there are some things that just have not changed and will probably never change in the process of acquiring a new brand and again unit economics is one of them interviewing existing and former franchisees that has never changed that's something that if you enter into an agreement to a brand without having had many healthy, deep discussions and conversations with existing franchisees, you are not doing your full due diligence. It doesn't take much to go into units and ask for the business owner and you know have conversations with them. That is something that, because they will tell you and share things with you that you would not see in the FDD or the franchise agreement. So very important. And of course, one of the things that they say something else that shouldn't that doesn't change is look to see if there is a franchise association. If there is a franchise association, reach out to them. This is usually a group of franchisees that have collaborated and got together to support each other within their businesses and with collaboration with the franchisor. And so there if you approach them, they will give you information that will be very valuable that you wouldn't be able to find anywhere else. All right. Something else that uh, was shared by this panel was about the price. What should you pay for these, you know, franchises? If in the case that you are actually acquiring one, or you're deciding whether you want to acquire a brand that already exists, or if you want to do a build out. And one of the biggest mistakes they were mentioning that franchise investors are doing or have done is evaluation assessment mistake for, of the unit. And what that means is you need to really know and understand the cost of buying an acquired unit versus the cost of building a unit so an example that they put in there imagine that the multiple of a particular brand is five times so you have an ebitda of let's say two hundred thousand dollars uh of two hundred thousand dollars so you have a multiple purchase of five times so 200 times five is a million so it will cost you a million dollars to acquire this particular uh unit however if you do a build out then the build that is going to cost you 1.2 million. So now, obviously, that means that you're building a unit. Now you're paying $200,000 above and beyond what you will cost you to acquire an existing one. Not only that, but because you are building it, it is an unknown, meaning that you might spend 1.2 million and not even make enough money or as much as the one that you already could acquire that's already cash flowing and has, you know, the $200,000 in EBITDA. A lot of the times acquiring a unit might make more sense than building one, or it could be the opposite. It could be that you can acquire something in a multiple of five, six, seven, Times EBITDA, but that the uh, building of it will be maybe 20% less costly and enough that even if it was not as high volume or as financially viable as the other one, it will still be much more profitable at the end of the day because the cost will be less. As a franchisee or a potential franchisee or an investor, you need to know the difference and how to calculate and understand this information. Now, there are times in which build outs are the only option because there is no way to grow without without that, because there are no acquisitions available. But if there are acquisitions available, this is something that you need to be able to understand financially how to calculate and how to understand so that you can make the best decision for you and your organization. Something else that uh, the panel was mentioning was the importance of really understanding the brand health overall. And they really focused a lot in the management and the ownership of this brand. They were saying about who is this franchisor, like who owns this brand, and what is their balance sheet? You know, how much? You know, are they capitalized? How much in debt are they? What is the liquidity? Do they have enough cash to continue to operate the brand at a high level? Is there a risk that that this owner, so you know, the people that are running it, are more focused on profitability, quick profitability? To a turnaround, and therefore potentially be cutting corners in investments of people, of technology, of innovation. Is there a risk that they might be cutting expenses in the headcount and end up letting go of valuable, experienced, knowledgeable executives and and team members that may end up going to the competition? This is something that happens. You know, sometimes brands get acquired. Either the person selling decided to cut a lot so that they could see themselves as more profitable for that, acquisition, that, that sell, or it could be that once a new buyer, they want to be able to make, to make a return on that investment quickly, and they may be cutting cost to be able to make that happen. And so what is the risk of that? Something else that they talked about in, in terms of the franchisor is do they own company units? Are they operators? There is a huge value in having franchisors owning their own company units and not just a handful for testing purposes, but truly being operators and understanding what the franchisees are going through in their business. And if the franchisor sees that their business is good enough, healthy enough to have their own company units, that means that it's a good business to be operating. Now, obviously they have the benefit of the royalty, the non-royalties that their company units don't have to pay. However, if they're willing and able to operate units and they do that successfully, it really speaks a positive volume about them. Big brands and small brands are all at risk about being sold and acquired. So don't think that just because you are in a smaller brand or a medium brand, or even a legacy brand, any brand is really up for sale if the price is right. So it is up to you to put get into the research and see what is the word on the street, as you wanna say, in regards to what, who is the leader, who are the managers, who's management in the organization, You know, do they have liquidity, are they leveraged highly when it comes to debt? Because when when they are out of cash and they have a lot of debt, they may be making decisions that may not quite be the ones that you would like them to do as a franchisee in the organization. Something else that this panel uh, said was that they, at least one particular one said that they do not really sign too large of a deals because when you expose yourself to a large deal, it could really be hurting you if you make a mistake. So if you are looking at large deals, they say that they particular do not go anything over 30 or 40 units with a high ticket upfront, maybe if it's something of a payment plan or a long-term thing, but if they expect, you know, the cash up front is something that they definitely shy away with. They do not sign anything beyond four or five years for the same reason, because if you make a mistake, you know, you're not able to to correct easily. So they they focus in two to three year deals, you know, 15, 20 units at a time. And because by doing that, they're protecting themselves from making mistakes. So meaning they might still make mistakes, but at least they're not so large that they're catastrophic for their overall business. So that's something that they said. Something else to consider, and I have only two more things uh, to consider. And I know this has been a little longer show than I usually do, but this is such a valuable information. So one more thing that they talked about was the underwriting for franchisees. And what this means is if I have this brand do I automatically get access to capital? Meaning other organizations, institutions, that because they believe in this brand, they will automatically, I will automatically have, assuming I have a good standing on my finances, will I have access to capital at a favorable cost? And usually if a franchisor has a good model, good history on having chosen good franchisees with good results that keep their responsibilities, the bank or the uh, you will have access to capital if for any reason everything looks good but when you're looking for that capital to invest there an availability that is definitely a red flag that they talk about. So one of the things that they say is that a brand name should provide access to capital from organizations, institutions that see that brand in a positive way, because if they don't, that is definitely a red flag. And so really access to capital shouldn't be a problem if you have a good financial history and you choose the brand that is seen in a positive way among financial institutions. And the last thing that they uh, talked about in this really good session was franchisee engagement. They really wanna look at the existence of franchise associations. And franchise associations that are truly, really, truly active in the collaboration with the franchisor. They wanna see that they are involved, that they meet frequently, and they actually interact with the franchisor in a way that makes it a win-win for everybody healthy, positive relationship between the French Association and the franchisor is something that they absolutely look for because it really talks volumes about the culture and the management of the organization. They also want to see that they have an elected advisory council, meaning that this is not just people that decided to get together, but they actually the franchise body has actually voted for the people that represent them in the association in front of the franchisor because that means that these are people that really truly spend the time and effort in building that relationship so that it benefits the franchisees and the organization. This is something that they really look for and that it is key for them to be able to get involved. I wanna close this session with this. It is something that Aziz Hashim said that was so, so impactful for me and made me realize that it is so true. He said He, had a, he used to have a saying that said, show me a great restaurant and I will show you a great general manager. And then the same token says, show me a great franchise brand, and I'll show you a great franchisee association. So I thought that was really interesting because it is true. If you see a great running unit, that means there's a great manager that is actually running it. And he said in the same side, if you have a great brand, there's normally a great franchise association behind it, uh, collaborating, with the franchisor in a way that makes everybody win so having said that i hope that this was a valuable session for you that you got some ideas and best practices that you can implement when you're thinking about maybe acquiring your first franchise or you're considering on buying or acquiring additional units or maybe a second brand a lot of these tips are right on and if you take the time and the discipline to go through the process of researching and considering all of these elements, you will be making the best decision for you. So thank you for being with me in this show. I hope that this was a value. If so, don't forget to follow us in our YouTube channel and find us in all of our platforms across the, uh, the social media where you can find a lot of more knowledge, tips and information for you to be successful. Thank you and we'll see you in the next show. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Franchise Success Formulas Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do me a favor and subscribe to our podcast so that you never miss a show. And leave a review so that other people like you can find us and receive the value that you just did. Here at the American Franchise Academy, we have an important mission of protecting the American dream of business ownership through franchising. And with your help, we can do a lot more of that. Thank you for being part of our community and see you next time.